0: Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, I do hope you are having a wonderful day or maybe a wonderful evening. We are continuing the adjectives that um, I have found of about the way God wants us to work and we're up to number 22 he wants us to work without grumbling and complaining we all know that of course don't we but often we still grumble and complain oh my We have to be encouraged about this, don't we? I think to the children of Israel back in the wilderness. Remember when God brought them out of Egypt with a mighty, miraculous hand and showed forth his power and his might. I don't think there have ever been such miracles as the bringing of the children of Israel out of Egypt. And and uh, how God parted the sea and brought them through. And then for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. They could have gotten to the land much quicker, but, oh my, they really just weren't ready. And God had to work in their hearts. In fact, he had to get Egypt out of their hearts before they were ready to go into the promised land. And the Bible says that he tempted them 10 times. But every time they failed and most of the temptations ended with all the children of Israel grumbling and complaining uh, instead of trusting God. They'd seen his miracles, they'd seen his power but they still didn't know how to trust him and they grumbled and they complained and they grumbled because they didn't have enough food and but in the end God just blessed them, gave them manna Every day, six days of every week for 40 years until they got into the promised land, God faithfully provided. They they saw so many miracles in the wilderness. But isn't it amazing, ladies? It's so challenging to me that of all those millions who came into the wilderness, of that generation that came in, only two only two went in to the promised land i mean they came through they were saved through the blood i mean they put the blood upon the doors the type of salvation they were saved through the blood they came through the water and and they had the pillar of fire uh, above them by night and the pillar of cloud by day and they received miraculous miracles continually and yet only two got in, only two and what stopped them? Their unbelief and their grumbling and complaining and so uh, I think we see this uh, in First Corinthians chapter 10 let me go over to it here 1 Corinthians chapter 10 yes and it says here in verse 6 well maybe we could start yes Let's start at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted, neither were neither be ye idolaters, as some of them were. Verse 8, Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed. Verse 9, neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Number 10, verse 10, neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Verse 11, now these things happened unto them for examples. And they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Everything that happened in the Old Testament, every story uh, about uh, every uh, person, we all know the stories, but all the stories and all the things that happened and every word that was written it's all written for an example. It's all a type for us to learn from. And so God says, I want you to learn from those who murmured and grumbled. And so we do have to watch that, don't we? Philippians 2, 14, 15 says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Or some translations say without grumbling and complaining, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world." When we do things without grumbling we shine as a light and that's how we're to do our work and how we teach our children to work too. If they see us doing it with joy and we're not going around the place grumbling and complaining well we're showing them the example we're showing them the way because not only are these attitudes for us but they are for us to teach our children so we teach them a good work ethic these 25 adjectives that I am giving you they are adjectives that we need to put into our children if we can give them these as uh, they grow up and they our sons get out there to uh, provide for their families and to get into their careers if they have these attitudes they will be successful it's not really how many degrees you got you have i have talked to Men of recent times who are CEOs of companies, and they have told me that these days they are not so much looking for those who have degrees, but those who have uh, intelligence and a good work ethic and a good attitude to learn. And they said, we can teach someone with a good attitude and, uh, um, you know, quick mind um, and a good work ethic. We can teach them the way we want it done and they can learn that pretty quickly and do better than someone who comes with all their degrees and think they know it all but don't have a good attitude or a good work ethic. They find a lot of these uh, college students come out And really, they don't have a good attitude and they're not a blessing to the company at all. Of course, if they have a degree and they've got the good attitude and the good work ethic, they will be a very good asset to the company. But without the good attitude and the good work ethic... They're not going to be much blessing, and nor are they going to be successful themselves. So these are wonderful things for life. These are the things that help make our home run smoothly and, and uh, with joy and blessing. And and this is the way we are preparing our children for life. And uh, I think today we have too many lazy young people around who don't know how to work. Well, they may know how to study. they gone to college and they know how to study but they don't know how to work they don't even know how to work in their home i know teens who don't even know how to do dishes help they don't know how to do the dishes what i mean is they don't know how to do them properly give them the job and My, it takes them so long to do it and they don't really know the way you're meant to do it. Okay, let's get these dishes all rinsed and put here. Now we're going to wash them and then we're going to put them into the rinsing and we're going to get them there to dry. And uh, we can just do it with, you know, in order and get it done. And they've just kind of got it all in a mess everywhere. And our dishes are all over the place. And my, when I do the dishes, I've usually got all the plates. And maybe we've had 13 or 14 people around the table. I have them all washed and rinsed by the time the hot water's even got into the sink. And uh, so we need to teach our children how to work with, um, you know, a good work ethic with all these attitudes that we've been talking about. We're up to number 23, without seeking recognition. Ephesians 6 verse 6 says, Not with eye service, as men pleases, but as the servants of Christ. So when we work, we're not doing it uh, just to please people. Although I think as a wife and mother we do. I want to please my husband. I want to please my children. I want to do it for the blessing of my home. But ultimately we're doing it for God. Okay? If we get that attitude, that's a good one. We're doing it for God. And he ultimately is the one who is looking on He is beholding. Now, sometimes your husband may not give you any compliments. He may not say, oh, you're doing such a wonderful job. I'm so grateful to you for the way you're just teaching our children and caring for them. That would be so wonderful. And if husbands are listening, I hope you do that. But dear, lovely, precious wives and mothers, if your husband doesn't know how to give compliments, remember, you're still doing it as unto the Lord. And he will bless you. The word of God says that he will reward every good work. Now, uh, let me see, where is that scripture? Um, let me just have a look for a little minute and uh, see if I can find it. Um. Yes, here it is, Ephesians 6 verse 8. Knowing, actually, this comes after these attitudes, not with eye service as men pleases, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord. And not to men, knowing. That whatsoever good thing, good thing, did you get that? Good thing, whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive, (coughs) the same shall he receive of the Lord. Listen to that again, precious mothers. Knowing that whatsoever good thing Any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord. Any good thing you do does not go unnoticed by God. Oh, yes, it will go unnoticed many times by man. It may go unnoticed by your husband. It may go unnoticed by your children. But it won't go unnoticed by God. And He says, That every good thing, he's going to give you a good reward. You're going to receive the same. Now, you as a mother and a wife are doing a good thing. In Titus chapter 2, where it speaks to the older women to teach the younger women, what does it tell them to teach them? Do you remember? It tells them to teach them good things. And what are these good things? then enumerates them to love our husband, to be obedient to our husband, to love our children, to be a keeper of our home, to be chaste and pure and good. These are good things. In fact, the word in the Greek is kalodideskalos, To teach kalos or kalos, I'm not sure the correct pronunciation, means not only good, it means beautiful. It's more than good, it's beautiful. These works that you are doing in your home, to love your husband, to love your children, to love keeping your home it's a beautiful work beautiful did you get that dear wife and mother it's beautiful and god says when you embrace this and when you do it as unto me you do this good thing you're going to receive the same reward you're going to receive a good reward do you love that we see that again in first peter 5:10 where it's talking about the woman And it says she is well reported of for good works. Once again, good works. And what's the first good work that it says? That she has raised and brought up children. The word there is technotrophio. Technon, child, trophio, meaning... To feed, to nourish, to nourish with food. And so it's speaking of a woman first as a baby comes to her, she nourishes a babe at her breast. But then as the children grow, she's still a nourisher as she nourishes them with food. She cooks meals for them. And <clears throat> the bigger they get, the bigger meal she has to cook. And so she is always nourishing, and that she's not only nourishing them physically, but uh, spiritually, and as well as she nourishes them with the word of God and she nourishes them with food. And so there we see it. Wonderful, beautiful, good works. And so you don't forget, here's the promise again. Knowing that whatsoever good thing And these are all good works that you are doing. Any man doeth the same shall he receive of the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? I hope your husband blesses you. But if he doesn't, don't despair. God is beholding and God is going to reward you for these good works you do in your home. All right, number twenty-four. Without w- getting weary. Well, we all get weary, don't we? <laughs> I know it's not, not a little thing to watch and to care for, and to, to just look after your children, your little ones, and then they're getting to your bigger ones. It, it's it's a, it's a big task, and it can be wearying. <clears throat> especially when they are little and often you've got to get up at night to a sick child and and oh my you just feel so wearied and worn out in the morning and and that can happen because there're always times when you know we're facing something with our children then you may have a new baby and the baby's wanting to nurse at night but dear precious mother can i encourage you to take your baby to bed with you and nurse your baby in bed you'll find that this is so much easier for you I found this out along the way. My first babies, I didn't do that. I woke in the night and I sat up with them and fed them. And it was so wearying. Oh, my. But then I learned that oh. You could take your baby to bed with you. Well, at first I was very uh, concerned because I also heard the old wives' tales. Oh, you could just lie on your baby. You could suffocate your baby and oh, you better not do that. And I know that hospital staff even say this today. But dear ladies, it's not true. You can nurse your baby safely in bed if you learn to do it the right way. Sometimes it needs a little bit of practice. You have to practice everything to do it the right way. I always nursed my baby on my side of the bed, never had the baby between us because I felt that would be dangerous. And uh, if you are... a mother you're not on drugs and you're not kind of you know a half-witted mother if if you are a concerned loving mother and you learn to do this the right way you can do it safely and so you can bring your baby into bed and nurse the baby and and you go off to sleep. And if you're holding the baby securely the right way, your baby will continue to nurse off and on throughout the night. Sometimes my husband would, when he woke in the morning, he would say, well, did the baby wake? Oh, yes, here's the baby in my arms. But really, I'd had a good night's sleep. My baby was so happy. Instead of screaming in a little cot on its own and screaming for mummy and I Get up and feed the baby. Put the baby down. But the baby screams because it doesn't want to leave mummy. And so you have these terrible sleepless nights and sometimes you'll have a wonderful husband who'll say, let me take the baby and he'll be pacing the baby around and walking with the baby and trying to get the baby to sleep. And so you're not really sleeping and nor is your husband sleeping. And it's all ridiculous because all you need to do is to bring the baby to bed. Nurse the baby. That's what your baby wants. He wants to be near you. He wants to be next to your skin. And he just wants to nurse off and on throughout the night. That is normal for a breastfed baby. A breastfed baby can't last throughout the night. Breast milk has a soft curd. And it digests quickly and the baby's ready to nurse again. It's not like a formula that forms the hard curd in the baby's stomach. And the baby can last longer. But that's not how it's meant to be. To be. The baby needs that constant nursing and that, that constant sucking. But you can still have a beautiful night's rest. Isn't that so good? Oh, I wished I'd learned that with my first baby. I wished I had had Nancy Campbell to come and tell me. But I had to learn by experience. And uh, so I pass that on to you. Also, we do have to watch that, you know, sometimes we can let ourselves get too weary by not doing what is right um sometimes we don't get to bed on time and uh, we stay up later and later and then we feel weary the next day i believe mothers that we need to prepare ourselves for the next day we we have a big challenge it's a big job to care for our children and manage our home and get everything done throughout the day and cook the meals and and there's much to be done. And, And so we have to prepare ourselves the night before by getting a good sleep, going to bed at a reasonable hour. Now my mother who has now passed away many years ago, she used to say The hours of sleep before midnight are the best hours of sleep. Well, I thought that was an old wives' tale. And uh, I used to try and and squeeze out of my day. Every little bit I could get out of that day. And even as I was a mother and even as I started to do Above Rubies, I can remember going down to my office and and at night and, and just oh just staying there and I had to keep going and until I just couldn't keep my eyes open one minute longer and then I would think okay now I deserve bed but that was the wrong way to live completely the wrong way and I had to learn that by experience because that is not good for your health and the old wives tale is now scientifically proved. In fact, I was just reading yesterday a scientific article which stated that every hour of sleep before midnight is worth two hours of sleep after midnight. And so, uh, that's been proved scientifically. In fact, after about 9am, or especially about 10am, you're Cortisol is starting to, you know, click in. And that's your uh, negative against you. Instead, if we go to bed at a reasonable hour, the serotonin, the good hormones are clicking in and and the growth hormones, which are good for children too, and even adults. uh, And we need that. They have done studies to find that a woman who uh, has five hours or less sleep a night, uh, her percentage for breast cancer goes up. I think it was about 48%. And then, but also interestingly, if she has nine hours or more, her um, risk for breast cancer also goes up, about 38%. Uh, And it's interesting, it's not just, oh, well, I can just sleep forever. No, no. Um, Too much sleep is not good either, but too little is really negative for your body. They say that a person should get about an average of seven to eight hours each night and uh, that is good for your body and especially don't keep it too late start those hours before midnight i know it can be a temptation can't it i remember a dear friend of mine she was running a a homeschool uh, facebook group and uh, she said to me one day oh nancy she said it is so noticeable at 10 o'clock at night is when the facebook group comes alive and uh, during the day hardly anybody is on They're with their children and life is busy and then they have the evening meal and dishes are done and children get to bed and 10 o'clock oh this is my time And so now she can get on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, or whatever she likes to get on. And this woman told me that, wow, this this Facebook, homeschooling Facebook group got really humming. But all these mothers were still up. Yes, they were just getting started because when you get on Facebook and then you go to that and then you go to that, it can just keep going on and on and sometimes it gets to midnight. And so those hours of sleep before midnight, you're being deprived of them. You're being deprived of your health, your refreshing, your beauty. Yes, even your beauty is renewed and instead, You're going to get cortisol, which is aging. And uh, you don't want to do that. You want to have the things that will give you anti-aging hormones. Anyone want to say amen? Another thing is that 10 o'clock at night, maybe, perhaps your husband is a night owl too, but maybe he's in bed. And what are you doing? You are up just doing, having a good time doing your own thing but maybe he needs you but he's being deprived you see our job not our job our delight is to always be available to a husband I think it is a good thing a beautiful thing to go to bed with your husband so if he's going to bed about ten-ish well Go to bed with him. He might need you. He may not, but he might. And then you'll both be blessed. Not only will you be getting serotonin and growth hormones because you're getting hours in before midnight, but then you'll get oxytocin because you'll be just so blessed together. So think about those things, ladies. Yes, I know we can get weary but just watch what you're doing. Now, I know before I was married, I was a bookworm. I love to read. I still love to read, but I don't get the time to read like I did when I was young. And I, if I had a good book, I'd read into the night. And especially if it was a really good story, I would just keep going till I finished. And of course, then you can hardly face the day because you've been reading all night. And you'll know what I'm talking about if you're a bookworm. But when I married and then when children came along, I had to learn to discipline myself. I had to put my books aside. In fact, now I will only read a good real story And uh, I don't read junk stories, but a good biography and a good historical novel. I'll keep them to um, more vacation times. And instead, I will read more meditational books, doctrinal books, theological books. Actually, they send me to sleep. I only have to read a couple of pages of them. And I'm asleep because I start thinking and meditating and I'm off to sleep. Uh, So we do have to discipline and watch ourselves. Don't do things, even reading, that will take you into the hours of the night because then the next day you're blurry eyed and you just can't really focus. So we have to watch those things. But then, of course, we claim the promises uh, that God gives us renewed strength for each day, especially as we take advantage of Uh, the sleep that he gives us. God gives us night time to sleep and to renew our energy and to refresh us. So don't throw it in the face of God and then say, I'm so tired, I can hardly cope, I can hardly manage. When God gave you the night to sleep, but you've been all up for hours with the light on, In fact, that's not really good. In fact, none of us live how we're meant to today because we have electricity and we all have the light on as long as we like. But there was a time when, okay, night came, so you kind of went to bed. Then you got up real early. And uh, I find now if I get to bed at a reasonable hour, I wake early. May wake 4.30 or 5.00 and, oh, you look out and, wow, It's getting light already. The day's starting. Most people are still sleeping, but the day is starting. So instead of tempting to lie there, I can get up. And uh, when I get up, I could think of one million things to do. Oh, wow, I could do some exercise. Wow, I could go for a walk. Wow, I could get on my computer and get this done because I've got 10 million things waiting to do. But I don't do any of them. I find that the word of God, the presence of God calls me, woos me. Oh my, I just get wooed. I've got to get into that word. It just calls me. Do you have that pull on you? You just have to get that word. You can't do without it. And so I have my little basket. I call it my meditation basket. I have it in my office in the day because I'm, you know, it has my notebook. I write my notes in and my journal and my Bible and my hymn books and all my study books. It's all there and I carry it down to my office because I'm using it in the day. Then at nighttime, when I turn off my computer, I bring it up, put it on my kitchen table. And it's waiting for me in the morning as I come out to the kitchen table to open that word Oh, it is just so wonderful. But anyway, I was going to read you. And what's our time, Arden? How much more time do we have? Oh, just five minutes, ladies. Okay, this is the the chapter where Moses blesses the tribes of Israel. And he's blessing Asher. And of Asher he said, let Asher be blessed with children. Isn't that lovely? No wonder... He gave that blessing, Asher, meaning happy. And Asher will be blessed with children. Verse 25, thy shoes shall be iron and brass, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. That's a wonderful promise. As thy days, each new day, God doesn't give you strength for tomorrow, but each new day... He will give you strength. And this is in the context of having children. Isn't that wonderful? Praise the Lord. But last one, ladies. Last one, number 25. So let's get it done in this session. And it is zealously. This is the way we are meant to work. Zealously, in Psalm sixty-nine, verse nine, and John two seventeen, the testimony of Jesus was, "The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up," and uh, that was the story. Of course, when Jesus went into the temple and he saw all the Pharisees and all the people, they were just selling their wares and everything, and oh, it just so grieved his heart that his temple which housed the presence of God, which was called a house of prayer, had become a den of thieves. And so he began to turn over the tables and throw out everything. And And uh, he did that with the zeal of the Lord. Over in Titus, Titus chapter 2, it talks about this too. It talks about Jesus giving himself for us and redeeming us from all iniquity and purifying unto himself a special set-apart people, zealous of good works. Now, we were talking before how mothering, homemaking, God calls it a good work, a beautiful work. And now the scripture talks about being zealous of good works. Therefore, if the work that we are doing is good well we better be zealous about doing it don't you think zealous doing it with all our hearts doing it with zeal not half-heartedly but with the zeal of the Lord amen well shall we pray dear father we are so grateful to you for your precious word which shows us the way thank you lord for teaching us how we're to work and how we're to be zealous and how we're to do it as unto you and not unto men and lord god how that you've shown us the way even even how we can do it without getting weary if we live the way you want us to, wa- to live. I pray that you will give to every, each one listening your wisdom and uh, even our wisdom about going to bed at night. These are such practical things, but Lord, we need to use your wisdom even about them. We can just get into the rut of doing what everybody else does and and uh, we're just living in a whole new era today where people stay up late and get up late. But this is not really the way you planned and it's not for the blessing of our bodies. And uh, so I pray that you will give me and each precious wife and mother and daughter listening your wisdom, Lord God. And teach us the way you want us to live. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.